Cause I don't wanna come back down from this cloud It's taking me all this, all this, all this time Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't wanna come back down from this cloud Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest today is Woody, the founder of a, the Woodside Investment Council, um, and it's a great honor to have you on the show. Uh, we've been going back on back and forth on Twitter about some really interesting stuff. You like Adler, um, Alfred Adler, and Young, uh, I assume, as well. So really great to sit down with you virtually as I sit on the mountaintop of Shasta um, and get into some deep stuff. Stuart, it's a real pleasure, pleasure to be here, man. I'm a longtime listener. You're a man who knows many things. Um, I've, I've, I've certainly displayed that. So I'm, I'm just honored to be here and appreciate the opportunity. Cool. So I really, you, you wrote, an, I have this new podcast roulette and this, this conversation is a um, product of that po- podcast roulette where I just basically built up an email list of interesting people and asked them if they want to do a podcast right now. Uh, and the first person to reply gets to do it. And your response to the last one was really interesting because you said there's a balance between um, the, having the courage to be disliked, but then also there's an importance of likability. I feel like ever since I read The Courage to be Disliked, which is a book about how to find the courage to be disliked, which is based on Alfred Adler's uh, philosophy, um, I've been kind of going overboard on being okay with being disliked. Um, but then I think there's a, there's a, there's, it, it, it can be oftentimes we, we, we do something, we have this behavior that we think about that we're doing. Um, and then we realize that that behavior might not be the best. And so we oftentimes we do the opposite. Um, and so I think sometimes we can just, I mean, I think the ultimate game is to just give up the whole thing itself and kind of figure out what each situation demands from us. Um, but it, you, so you talk about this balance, how has that balance played out in your life? In terms of, you know, how I grew up, you know, sort of always, always very cognizant or, or trying to read into other people. What's this person think about me? And just sort of trying to, trying to please others. And the book had, had a lot to do with that. Adler's work in general, really. And also my wife kind of telling me, you know, I, I think you uh, think you're some kind of uh, empathic wizard where you <laughs> you can you can sort of figure out what others are, are thinking. And, and uh, I can assure you, you you don't know. <laughs> uh, and I, I kind of realized I should stop using my my brain power, my my emotional energy to suss out whether others like me or agree with me. And you can't be everything to everyone. Once I sort of freed myself of of trying to trying to think about hey what's this person think of me do they like me and just say they either like me or they don't it's sort of my task as Adler would call it to to attempt to be liked but also to be true to myself and uh, you know if they don't like you that's not the worst thing in the world and in fact it's as he puts it it's really where we draw freedom is is in being disliked because it's it's sort of proof that you're living life in accordance with your own moral compass and your own your own goals your own objectives so that 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 sort of happened to me gradually over the years still a work in progress because it's a very natural inclination and and uh biological inclination to to be liked Um, and 
Yeah, that biological piece is really interesting because we are a social animal and, you know, for millions and millions of years, we were in a tribe uh, made up of our immediate family. Um, and the ostracism from that tribe would lead to death. And so it is like deeply, deeply ingrained in our biology to want others affections and want other want other people to agree with us but now we live in this world where we live in strangers and with strangers all the time we live in cities now we live on the internet um and we're coming into contact with strangers all the time and uh it is impossible to actually come to an accurate as you said accurate representation mental model of whether everybody likes you or whether everybody agrees with you and try to figure it all out and say the right thing in the, in the right possible way. It's just like that breaks down. Uh, you can't do it, particularly if you start to write publicly or, or speak publicly because uh, you're going to piss off people. Um, and I find that I've been in the last week or so I've, I've become pretty untethered in my, um, in my speaking about. I love it, man. You're, you're like, you're, <laughs> I uh, just unleashed still unleashed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, cause it's, and it's so interesting cause now something I've been thinking a lot about is the, you know, with cable news that really started this whole politicization, the polarization of America and probably in a lot of other countries too, where if you were to be, if you are to be a politician, you have to fit this identity and you must stick really closely with the party line, whether you're on the right or the left. And now with social media, that's brought it into our everyday lives. And so and now the virus has become politicized to the point where if you're Democrat, you're very, very likely to believe that um, the virus is a major, major threat to. And if you're a Republican, you're very, um, very likely to believe that maybe it's even a, even a hoax. Um, and then there's these this weird spiritual community, which is a lot more on conspiracy theories, which is really interesting. But, um, but like my, my take on this virus is, is not like it's a pandemic and it's killing people and it's, it's, it's serious. But at the same time, we've never throughout history ever thought that we had control over a, a infectious respiratory virus. Um, and the only thing that we think we have control over now, which didn't exist a year ago is just basically, basically stay the fuck apart. Um, but that, like that we didn't do that in 1968 we only did it in 1918 when it got really bad in certain regions we never did it as a national policy among among countries and so that's the main but of course if i say that then i automatically get put into a bucket of like oh you you think it's the hoax blah 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 blah, blah. um well you're right so yeah yeah, yeah. You're absolutely and, right the, the bucketing the, is, is a is a perfect term for it i i think it, it's more pervasive now than ever before you know, you have sort of, you know, now we live in very much sort of a secular society. And on top of that, the unity of the state is is in many ways breaking down in that, you know, we talk about news sources being centralized versus disparate. And these echo chambers that you mentioned, people are, are, are all at once, you know, performers, but also audience members. And everyone has a microphone and we're all sort of shouting into the abyss. <laughs> so uh, people kind of lose identity, uh, or they they're uh, they're parched, uh, they're starving uh, for some form of identity. And I think so that problem of wanting to fit in with a with any any community really sort of the social mirror, uh, mirroring and 
to be agreeable. It almost becomes a, as you put it, sort of in a way, it's a survival mechanism. But and, it's a survival mechanism for the ego. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's and and the the pernicious sort of externality of that is that you you sort of uh, you find you've you've lived a life for others and you don't even really know who you are. Mm. Um, mm. You know, you're just you're constantly seeking whether it's you know it starts with your parents but then it you know quickly shifts to your friends and so on and so forth all the way up to the corporate level where you know you get a bunch of you know I come from the financial side of things but you know I I very very vividly recall sitting in a you know investment policy committee meeting and there's everybody's got the same education they're all you know certified financial analysts they've all been taught the same things and you know it, when the ceo said something you know he spoke first he spoke loudest and everybody naturally will mirror you know that thesis even if minutes before the meeting we all were talking about how ridiculous that idea is um, <laughs> and it's it, it goes beyond just trying to you know get a bonus or climb the corporate ladder. It's really just wanting to feel like you're on the in, in crowd. You, you mentioned uh, a lot of stuff we can go into from there. Uh, the first is the who am I question you implicitly had there, which was that if people tie themselves to their social identity and tie themselves very deeply to that and then maybe realize later down the line that that isn't who they are either. Um, it, they ask, it, this is like a fundamental question which I don't think most people realize is like, who am I? What is this thing that I call I? Um, and any linguistic word that comes out or linguistic uh, string of words that come up in response to that question are, are, are not valid. Though none of those accurately describe the complexity or as Walt Whitman would uh, say, the um, I contain multitudes, um, that none of the words do that. Like they can't really get to that, that I-ness that people are. So that's a really good point. And then it also seems, and I know this, that you've read Robert Sapolsky and um, it goes, uh, and also it sounds like you might have read uh, Jordan Peterson or jo John Verveke as well. Because uh, you, you mentioned in that, in that meeting with the, the CEO, um, everybody's bodies know what's going on all the time, but then their minds rationalize whatever's happening. So the mind isn't, isn't, a mechanism for truthhood it's a mechanism for i would say yeah. social cohesion um or, yeah. or or making ourselves feel good about the decisions that we make but everybody's bodies is paying attention to it so like hey, you can you you can feel it but but our bodies aren't attached to our minds in the way that we think they are so if we really analyze our behavior our behavior will give a very different picture of our actions or of, of what we really think rather than our words um that's right that? it feels it feels uh, tremendously isolating. Your your cortisol levels rise uh, dramatically. Your testosterone drops, uh, you know, mm. drops to sub zero when you're standing alone. You know, mm. pounding the table for say a different strategic initiative, or you know, I don't think this makes much sense. You know, I read some white papers on this. Maybe we should consider this outcome. You know, we we could certainly be more efficient in this in that way. When you know. Uh, that, you know, the, the, the powers in the room have, you know, they, they didn't come in, in there to discuss, really. They, they came in there to, to say what they, you know, what's going to happen. And so that's sort of the institutional inertia that, that Buffett talks about. And it doesn't make for optimal outcomes for, 
for uh, clients, for the people that work in the organization. It's it's you feel powerless. You feel like your your voice isn't heard. And uh, I, I think it's very widespread. You know, even in small companies, I they all suffer from this institutional inertia and this groupthink. Yeah, you know, not, not to mention, you know, you know, uh, we've I'm, I'm sure you know you're well aware of the studies that uh, you know boards that have uh, gender diversity, age diversity, you know, socioeconomic diversity, they make better decisions, but you lose that edge if, uh, if you sort of allow everyone to sit in the same room there and, um, you know, perform this kind of personality mirroring and, and, uh, and, and you allow groupthink to kind of take, take hold. I mean, you know, as you know, that, that, that's why cops interview people uh, separately after a crime, it's, it's pretty sad, but you know that that's kind of the state of things. So balancing that um, being disagreeable, you have to have some tact and pick your battles. And be disagreeable when uh, when you really know you're you're correct, and hopefully you're hopefully that will uh, be proven correct before you're before you're canned. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but if that, and 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 hopefully you know you're uh, you're agreeable enough with your spouse. Uh, so that you're not always like, well, actually, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the balance is difficult. Um, and it's, it's delicate. It takes a high, high EQ to, to manage mm -hmm. it. Um, not that I have one. <laughs> and it sounds like you might have an interesting thought on, on, cause what you said, the group think is really interesting because there's it, to, from my reading it, there, most of ancient civilizations all were very communitarian. And then all of a sudden the uh, enlightenment philosophy started to think not necessarily of the individual solely as a unit inside of the community, but the individual as a, having a sovereign um, right or a sovereign sovereignty, sovereignty. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce that word, but uh, having this kind of sovereign sense of self that is inalienable, um, which I don't think existed before that. Um, and, uh, like as an as a abstract concept that we can or an abstract image that we should aspire to um and then the enlightenment seems like it's kind of was just this this thing that that happened that went against the grain of of previous civilizations and and so now that 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 is being questioned right now maybe for good reason but i don't think it's a good idea to just give it up and say that that was they were wrong um i think there's a lot of value to thinking of us as individuals while also recognizing that we are part of a community, um, and uh, what do you think about this? This not 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 to harp on just one psychologist because that's because uh, he didn't he really didn't write anything down uh, much <laughs> like Socrates. Uh, it's it, it's very odd that we need to, but uh, have self sovereignty and and live live our lives in accordance with um, you know how we wish to live them and take pride in the disapproval of others as opposed to fearing it and pride in the fact that you, you know, that this is evidence that I am living in accordance with how, you know, I see fit as opposed to uh, living someone else's life, living someone else's expectations. By the same token, we still need, as you said, that sense of attachment to community. So, you know, how does that work? Well, it, it goes back to, um, you know, serving and giving back and i think that's another thing that's i you know i i don't know much about this topic i think only god in air quotes would would know the answer to this but i i do get the sense that you know with with the rise of you know social media and people crafting their their beautifully filtered 
photos and narratives about their lives, it, it would seem to me that we're living more inside of our, our own heads and certainly during COVID, but, and, and less in service of the community. And I think, you know, that, that, that is, a, that is a means for, for finding, uh, finding attachment. And I think, I think too, uh, we're so hierarchical in, in our country, you know, in, in places like Israel, there's not this, uh, it's much more egalitarian. I mean, you, you can, talk back to your to the rabbi you can talk back to uh, your boss and and not in a nasty way but just in sort of a frank like we are both people we both have worth and here in the US we have such a such a reverence i, I think for for other people and i think in, in establishing more lateral relationships you can really be yourself and allow the other person to be themselves and it's it's just a uh, it's a, I think it's a, just sort of a flaw in, in the way that maybe our, our social relationships tend to, tend to be constructed. Well, because I, I would say that the United States used to be very egalitarian, like um, back Absolutely. in the you know, 1700s, 1800s, it was like, you know, the, the, the country was made up of farmers who all kind of were subsistence farmers and making their own kind of food and stuff like that and having their own homesteads and everything like that. Now, I think it's happened a lot of places and I think Israel is a, is a kind of a, an exception because of their unique history. But um, uh, yeah, I think the centralization of cities, it, this, the rise of cities has been a profound uh, change in the way that humans view themselves. Um, and also are like in some ways, as I've been, getting more in touch with nature over the past six months, uh, realizing that cities also change our brains and become, make us less grounded. I think, um, uh, I, I, would, I would absolutely uh, agree with that. My, my older brother, he's, he goes on these, you know, 10, 12 hour rides, you know, mountain biking, he's been doing it his whole life and it's just getting reconnected with nature, just touching the soil, you know, as, uh, you know, I've read, read some studies myself on that and in the antidepressive qualities that people don't quite understand, you know, why or how, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I don't, I don't spend nearly enough time. I mean, I having just launched my own business and, and, and having two kids at home, uh, I'd love to peace out for a week and, <laughs> uh, and get and go build some campfires and hang out alone. And, uh, but it's just not in the cards, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think the yeah. cities and increased urbanization absolutely plays a tremendous role in that. But probably the more salient um, um, uh, factor here is the ever-rising wealth inequality mm-hmm. uh, in the United States. I think I think people kind of get used to this notion that, you know, uh, certain classes of people, whether they whether whether they fight against it or not, I, I think it does breed this sort of sense of hierarchy um, mm-hmm. and it's uh i do think much of it is subliminal but i'll tell you i mean the, we've surpassed the 1920s uh in hmm. terms of uh wealth inequality and it's it's only going to get worse how would how would you describe it's these, it's sort yeah. of a it's sort of a if you took if you took the worst elements of socialism and capitalism and combined yeah. them uh, it's, that's sort of what we got going on now. Uh, cause it's a state, it's a welfare state, but for the wealthy, essentially. It's, um, it is, it's, it, we're, we're propping up, we're propping up the status quo because of the fragility that we've kind of bred into, uh, mm-hmm. those with millions of dollars in their 401ks and in their IRAs. 
uh, and they don't like seeing it drop 15%. Um, and mm. you know, this, this fragility, you know, as, as guys like Nassim Taleb or, um, you know, Mike Green and others have said, I mean, this, this fragility, um, in, in, in sort of being willing to tolerate some pain. I mean, we live in a capitalist society, man, securities can drop. I mean, it's that, you know, it's, it's creative destruction. That's what mm. made us great. Um, from a from a sort of an economic uh, standpoint, and that's what gives entrepreneurs a chance. Um, and what we're doing is we're not only are we are we ruining future growth prospects here um, for fellows in our even in our age bracket, but for certainly for my kids. And you know we're going to be paying off this this debt burden. I think we're at about 120 percent of debt to GDP right now. Um, you have to pay back principal and interest on debt. <laughs> so, uh, it, it's going to be a long, long, uh, you know, unless Elon Musk finds, you know, endless energy on some planet <laughs> in the solar system. Uh, you know, I, I don't really see how we grow our way out of this. So it is, it's, it, it is a very tough state of affairs. And, um, I, I, you know, I think it, it, as you put it, it, it starts, it really starts on sort of the chemical level and, um, and, and it's, it's, it's very, um, uh, it's saddening. Um, I, you know, I'm not the best party guest when I get off on this, on this tangent, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and we really, um, I think it, it's, it's just, it's one of those things, uh, Stu, that that's just complex enough that people don't, it's not on the front page all the time, yeah. Yeah. you know, climate change, you know, it's happening too slowly. There's a lot of disinformation, misinformation. Uh, it's just it's just complex enough that people figure you know it's turtles all the way down. But you know this should be on the front page along with mm. this is an existential threat to our country and mm. and you know that what's going to happen when wealth disparity actually gets worse than it is. I mean we think we got, we have conflict now. I mean man, we're going to see some strife. I'm I'm very uh, very proud to be a friend and and uh, certainly hope to to talk with you again soon whether whether it be online or off. Absolutely, this has been great. Thank you, Woody. Yeah. Hey, take care, Stuart.